Welcome to PharmaTalk Radio. I'm Valerie Bowling. I'm pleased to share a session from DFARM's 2019 Pharma Innovation section, where Sanofi's Laura Kling addressed developing a digital endpoint for Parkinson's disease. For details on the 10th annual DFARM event, visit theconferenceforum.org. Enjoy the podcast. Thanks so much. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Digital Clinical at Santa Fe. I'm Laura Kling, and today I'm going to be telling you a little bit about our work using wearables in Parkinson's disease. Uh, But first, a little about me, a little about us. I lead a team at Santa Fe called the Digital Catalyst. And what we are, we're a group that focuses on figuring out how we can use digital tools to transform our development process, and specifically, how we can use digital tools to speed up our time and our cost to market, and to increase the insights that we collect during the development process. We're a diverse group in terms of backgrounds, and I'm a good example of that. My background is not very typical for somebody at a pharma company. I come from the insurance industry, specifically working in insurance technology, and in college I actually studied linguistics. Uh, I came to Santa Fe in 2017, and one of the things that I love about working as part of our team is that we get to work with such interesting questions. I am a huge sucker for interesting questions. I even wrote my linguistics thesis on questions. And what I'd like to do today is tell you a little bit about some of the questions that we spend our time trying to answer. So we set out in the fall of 2017 to try to understand how we could use wearables and sensors to add value in our clinical trials. There are a few different things that we think about when we think about what wearables can do. So wearables can collect data passively, They can collect it continuously or directly from patients. Uh, Wearables can collect data at a much higher volume with much higher variety and much quicker than traditional data sources. And they can also collect data in the patient's real-world environment from their home or their day-to-day life rather than just what happens in a clinic visit. So that's what wearables can do, but how do we actually use those levers to, to improve our development process? Uh, For Parkinson's, we found the best answer was a combination of some of those. So we've got uh, subjective measures, EPROs, where we're asking the patients directly how Parkinson's is affecting their life. We've got mobile app assessments. So we're giving them a smartphone and using that smartphone to measure things like their balance or how much their hands are shaking. Uh, Assessments that normally you would do just in the clinic, and so you'd get that data maybe once a month, but using a smartphone, we're able to collect it from the patient's home much more often. Uh, And then we have a wearable, an actual wearable device that is tracking the patient's activity, uh, tracking their mobility, seeing how they move and how much they move as they go throughout their day-to-day life. So that's all well and good for measuring Parkinson's, but we're a drug company, so what we want to do is we want to get a a treatment for Parkinson's approved and get that treatment into the hands of patients. So how can we use digital tools to actually get a treatment for Parkinson's into the hands of patients sooner? To do that, we need to get FDA and other regulatory agencies to accept the evidence that we generate using these wearables or using these digital tools. So to do that, first, we've got to understand what it is we're trying to build. We've got to design it, uh, and then we've got to actually build the thing. And then we've got to test it. We've got to test it in our offices. We've got to test it in healthy subjects, and we've got to test it in patients. Uh, After we've done all of that, we need to talk to FDA and say, hey, FDA, are you going to accept this, the evidence that is generated from this tool? 
to approve one of our drugs. So tech folks in the room will notice there's a big problem with this picture. It's all waterfall. It's not iterative at all. This is way too big of an investment for us to make without checking in along the way to make sure that the, the approach that we're taking is going to be accepted at the end. So what we found is it's critical to talk to FDA often, to talk to them early, and to get their insight as, you know, to, to check along the way that our approach is going to be one that's going to be viable. So when it comes to talking to FDA, what does it actually take to, to have a meaningful conversation with FDA about your wearables project? For a company like Santa Fe, there are a few different ways that we can talk to FDA and get feedback from them. But for a project like this, we wanted to make sure that the feedback we got was going to be substantive and was going to actually affect the choices that we made during our development process from that previous slide. Uh, so we had to do our homework. So what that means is we, we did our research, we reviewed the available literature, but one of the things we found, and this is probably not going to be surprising, uh, a lot of the questions that we're trying to solve right now, the literature doesn't exactly address precisely those questions. Uh, so we had to ask some experts as well. We convened a panel of key opinion leaders on Parkinson's from around the world, and we got their opinions and their insights and their reactions to our approach and our designs. Uh, and we also talked to patients directly. So we, we looked at patient interviews and patient surveys and conducted one of our own. And we put all of that information into a briefing package for FDA. Does anyone in this room want to guess how many pages our first briefing package was that we sent to FDA? I heard 100? No, more than that. We sent them a 265-page briefing document for our first meeting with FDA. And then we sent them another one and another. All in all, we've provided FDA with over 400 pages of documentation uh, describing the research that we've done, our approach to designing these assessments, uh, our approach to how we're going to test the assessments out, and then our plans for how we'd incorporate that into a trial. So there's no point in seeking all of this feedback if you're, if you're, not, going to, if you're not ready to be surprised by what you learn. Uh, and we had a surprise the first time that we talked to FDA. So we sent them that 265-page briefing, briefing book, and what, what we thought originally was that what matters most when you're measuring Parkinson's is if you're going to use a digital tool, you should make it as similar as possible to the way that we've measured Parkinson's in the past. So that was what we believed. And there is a gold standard for measuring Parkinson's today. There's the UPDRS, the Unified Parkinson's Disease Rating Scale. Uh, it has several different parts, assesses several different aspects of Parkinson's. And so when we set out to design our digital version, we tried to match it as closely as possible to make sure that FDA would be able to see that clearly we're just producing evidence that's very in line with this gold standard. Uh, so that was our proposal, and FDA said, nope. What matters most is not keeping the evidence collection and interpretation process as consistent as it's ever been. What matters most is making sure that what we measure is what matters to patients. Uh, and so FDA said, no, go home, take another look, talk to patients again, make sure that you're assessing those aspects of the disease that have the greatest effect on those patients' lives. And so that's what we did. We went back and we conducted another survey. We asked those questions 
uh, very explicitly, very directly, and we were very careful to probe out not just what it is about Parkinson's that is affecting patients, but how it's having an impact on their lives. Uh, so we redesigned the assessments and went back to FDA. Uh, and folks, it is a great feeling when the FDA tells you that your project is proceeding in the right direction. Uh, because that means that now we get to spend our time thinking about even more interesting questions, like what is a pocket? FDA noted very wisely that, well, one of our assessments, it requires the patient to, um, one of our assessments requires the patient to put the phone in their pocket and then take a walk, and it's assessing how well they're walking. And FDA very wisely pointed out that not everybody is always wearing pants with pockets. So what we're doing this fall is we're spending a lot of time thinking about the operational pieces, the instructions, and the human factors testing so that we can make sure when we're done with all of this that, um, that we have an assessment whose results we can trust, and more importantly, that we have an assessment that works for our patients that we're asking to use this in an actual clinical trial. So that's the work we have ahead of us, uh, a lot of exciting things, and we are hiring, so if anyone is out there and really would like to spend some time working on these questions as well, give us a shout on LinkedIn. And that's what I've got. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. For information on the 10th Annual DFARM, visit theconferenceforum.org. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.